United States of Lead is an informative podcast that may contain sensitive material and the occasional F-bomb. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the United States of Lead, a podcast about crime, mental decline, and the lead thread that links them. Before we begin, there's a quick clarification from last week. I think I had said that there that we can't remove lead from our bodies. Um, I just want to clarify that there are treatments to remove lead from the body. However, those treatments typically aren't used unless you have a lead level of 45 or higher. We mentioned before, there's no level of safe lead to be in your body, even with the guides that differ from state to state on what is considered safe. So you have to be super poisoned before you can get these treatments that remove lead from your body. I mean, to me, that says that there's probably adverse effects to these treatments where you kind of have to outweigh. So then that's something I want us to look at too. So what are these treatments and what are the, what are the side effects of this? Cause if you can't get it removed from your system, unless it's 45 milligrams or higher, that says to me, there's, there's something going on with these treatments that isn't necessarily safe. Just a quick note here on the units of measurement that are used and discussed in our podcast. Some sources use MG, which stands for milligrams while other sources use MCG, which stands for micrograms. Both units are used to measure an object's mass and to indicate an object's weight. With reference to other units of measurement, MCG is equal to 0.001 milligrams. And so again, just check our sources when you're looking for any of the measurements that we are discussing in this podcast. I don't, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of parallels too with who would be in a position to go that long with that much, that much lead, then have it tested and then go through these treatments. It seems like that person kind of would not exist or they would have a sudden shock to their system with lead and then they'd be, there'd be a team of people and medical professionals that could, that could assist I mean, if there's, if there's anybody out there who has had to have this treatment, please reach out to us at unitedstatesoflead at gmail.com because we'd, we'd love be appreciative of hearing your story. And like we said too, it, the effects of lead build up over months, years, unless it's super, super high amounts of lead in your system, you might not know. So that's again, like the scary thing where we're not testing for it. We have what's considered safe, but you know, what I'd like to reword that is what's acceptable. 
because as we keep stressing, there is no amount of lead that is safe for you not to have side effects. Even a minimal amount of lead in your body can have adverse side effects, behavioral, cognitive, physical. So yeah, I think we need to just start wording it as what's governmentally acceptable amounts of lead because that's not safe and that's very misleading for people. Yeah, I I would love to know more about how we started using any of these terms like safe or lead levels. And it just it makes me think of uh, like affordable housing. Like the term mm. affordable housing yeah. is not yeah. does not mean that the housing is affordable for that neighborhood. It's just it'd be like uh, healthy. It's snacks. an idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so as we said last week, we're this week we're going to discuss who the first assholes are to cause the mass distributed lead poisoning because we didn't start the fire, but we're here and it's definitely still burning. We can thank the Romans for that. And it wasn't until the Industrial Revolution that anyone surpassed the amount of lead mining and smelting of the Roman Empire, which says a lot because clearly we did a lot in the Industrial Revolution. And don't worry, we will also get to the Industrial Revolution later on in the series, but that's its whole episode. So we're not going to even touch base on that yet. So you might be wondering how they were able to mine all this and... The obvious answer is tens of thousands of enslaved people were subjected to mining the lead. But don't worry, the rich got their fair share of lead poisoning. And actually, in ancient Roman times, the rich and powerful had the highest levels of lead poisoning. Lead was a high demand, and it was used in just about everything, from cooking utensils, plumbing pipes, makeup. Lead was even used in the winemaking process. This one was a big shock to me. I did know like one of lead's characteristics is that it's sweet to taste. That's why a lot of kids end up eating paint chips because it has a sweetness to it. And the Romans believed that it improved the color and the taste of their wine because lead is known for bringing out like these vibrant colors. Again, why they use it in makeup. And it's also worth noting that the Roman Empire shipped their wine everywhere during this time, as far as Northern Germany. And that's something else that we'll get to later on. The Romans fucking loved their lead. And again, because of its sweet taste, it was even added as a sweetener to food dishes. So rich Romans were just sprinkling lead all over their food like Splenda, which is just, it just boggles my mind. Like, can you just imagine nowadays just like a jar of like lead dust? And hey, just can like... you pass the lead? Can you please? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> can you please pass the lead? <laughs> yeah, like I just it boggles my mind. And you know, in back like we went said last um last week, they knew about the effects of lead at this time. We've known about this for over 2000 years. So yeah, it's just there's things that we ingest because it tastes good even though we know it's bad for us. So I guess I can't be too critical of the ancient Romans cuz you know, we still do that now. Like aspartame, I had a um, what was that? The, the sparkle dust Coke zero or whatever stardust, or I can't remember. It's this new flavor. Oh, that's I, just vanilla Coke, but I, you know, got gimmicked into it at waiting at Walgreens. And yeah, it's like, I know aspartame is awful and I shouldn't be drinking it, but I still did it, you know? So I guess is that what's in Coke zero aspartame? Pretty much any, um, diet or sugar-free. Yeah. It's aspartame is the, uh, substitute no formaldehyde but whatever i'm preserving my body yeah no you're right that's what it is 
Oh yeah. And I knew that. Cause like, I used to be addicted to diet Coke. I mean, there was a time when I, like when I was in college and had two jobs, was going to school full-time and had an internship. And I, I had at least four to six diet Cokes a day mm-hmm. and my spine would just like, I don't even know how to describe this pain, but it was excruciating. And then I, and I never, cause at that time I didn't know what aspartame was like, these are questions that never popped in my head. And so I never linked it to how much diet Coke I was drinking. And then when I stopped drinking diet Coke, all of a sudden I didn't have all that excruciating back pain anymore. I am right now, as we record this coming out of a really, I'm really trying to kick my Coke zero. It's so funny that you bring up Coke zero. Oh, really? Zero habit. Oh, it's, it's constant, but it's, you know, I remember the first time I heard about aspartame, it was someone at the restaurant we worked at and they described what it's doing. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm thinking like, even if half of that is true, Mm -hmm. I should, we should be more aggressive about investigating. So I heard like aspartame builds up in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Uh, So even if like that even if that's slightly true mm-hmm. it should be something that's mitigated and if not not uh, available see and like going back to like that this concept of us saying that there's these okay amounts of letter that we're reintroducing right. into products that we buy and then you have the it's your choice to make these decisions on your own you're an adult and it's like it just waves all accountability for the companies that produce this stuff and mm-hmm. i find that to be shocking there's there's got to be better ways like i know there's um like i just said splenda you know like there's alternatives that they could be using but what why is it well it's probably because it's cheap probably cheaper and that's sick but anyways back to lead so here's some shocking information for you in a 1980 analysis from the national academy of sciences the average american consumed 0.3 milligrams of lead per year Whereas it's estimated that the average Roman during ancient Roman times consumed about 35 to 250 milligrams per day. Just a friendly reminder that there might be times where you hear me say milligram and really I mean microgram and vice versa. So again, please check our sources to verify which unit of measurement we are referring to when you are listening to older episodes. As I said, they fucking loved their lead. They were drinking it. They were eating it. I mean, it's it's astonishing how much lead they must have been eating to have that much in their body. When, I mean, in 1980, we still had leaded gas. So think about that. We already had a lead crisis with leaded gasoline. We still had a crisis with the paint, even though we were aware of it, it was still everywhere. We hadn't even really tackled lead dust yet. I also don't know how much adding it to wine, how much that increases absorption into your body either. So that's something that would be worth investigating. I know that there's scientists who recreated the winemaking process just to see how much lead they were consuming, which I thought was pretty interesting. Many historians now believe that lead exposure and lead poisoning are directly connected to the fall of the Roman Empire. As stated in one of Dr. Needleman's papers, who again is one of the, was one of the most well-known 
experts in lead poisoning, especially related to childhood lead poisoning. With the more recent scientific research proving that lead is a highly neurotoxicant and analyzing the strange behavior of most Roman leaders and the upper classes, a good case can be made for lead's role in the declining Roman society, end quote. So let's dive a little deeper into the fall of the Roman Empire. Well, I know, like, you got me into the series, Rome. One of the best series ever. Did did they ever bring up lead in? I don't know if they ever brought up lead, but they brought up a lot of a lot of practices. I think one of the neat mm-hmm. things about that show is two things. It shows that people throughout Rome, the huge like, period that we think of as Rome, certainly around that time, around the Roman, the birth of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. that they both lived in a completely different world and a world very much like our own. I know, of course, that's like a really personal yeah. thing to say, but one is that there there absolutely was deep stratifications between classes, mm-hmm. between groups of people, and not, not unlike today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a declared slave caste, certainly a, if a better, more humane approach to slavery than American cha- uh, chattel mm-hmm. slavery. But the people who were well off were living in, you know, houses with a kind of air conditioning. They had Mm -hmm. access to to news from around the world. They had advertisements. And I think I I just heard this on TikTok. It was like there's right now there's the trend of like, tell me something you didn't believe until you researched it. Mm-hmm. And someone posted something about uh, how Wrigley Scott, when he did Gladiator, didn't think anyone would believe that gladiators had promotional deals and they would advertise during their fights. They would, like, oh, why would you believe that? I mean, this, this just sounds too, it sounds too modern. It just sounds Absolutely. too modern. But it, no, no, the Nikes of the time, of course, that was the <laughs> goddess of victory, but the Adidas's and the uh, MetLife. All of those things were... The blimps were flying over the Coliseum. <laughs> this week's Head Crushing brought to you by Justin's. It's something It's something that we don't really wrap our heads around, but I, it's, mm-hmm. I think we're kind of coming to this understanding where we can see billionaires who are mm-hmm. flying into space while people can't afford rent and we have a student debt mm-hmm. crisis. They literally mm-hmm. live in a different world. They have a different mm-hmm. understanding of a different fundamental understanding of how the world ought to operate. And I wonder if if it's not so much that this lead makes that happen, but if if that allows, because they're so enables it, it completely enables it, allows it to persist. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to get to that Mm because later on, I'm going to discuss that whole concept of nature versus nurture. The other thing, going back to why people find it so hard to believe that it's such an advanced society was back then is again too because of the insane behavior like the feeding christians to lions and i can't i don't remember which emperor it was who appointed a horse as a priest and you know like so it's like they they were mad i think it's caligula i'm gonna look it up it's easy to say there's no way that they could have also been so technologically advanced with how behaviorally stunted they were but again we're gonna circle back to nowadays too because the Parallels are astonishing. According to Wikipedia, 
The fall of the Roman Empire was the loss of central political control in the Western Roman Empire. The Roman Empire lost the strengths that had allowed it to exercise effective control over its Western provinces. Modern historians posit factors including the effectiveness and the numbers of armies, the health and numbers of the Roman population, the strength of the economy, the competence of the emperors, the internal struggles of power, the religious changes of the period, and the efficiency of civil administration. Climate change and both endemic and epidemic diseases drove many of these immediate factors. So does that sound familiar at all? Or literally exactly what we're dealing with right now? Yeah. It is everything and everywhere we're at right now. It's terrifying. So according to history.com, there are eight main reasons that caused the collapse of the Roman Empire. And we're going to go through each one, but dive a little deeper into the ones that are prevalent to now. First was that there was the invasion of barbarian tribes. The second was economic troubles and over-reliance on slave labor. Even as Rome was under attack from outside forces, it was also crumbling from within. And that was thanks to a severe financial crisis. Constant wars and overspending had significantly lightened imperial coffers and oppressive taxation and inflation had widened the gap between rich and poor. In the hope of avoiding the tax ban, many members of the wealthy classes had even fled to the countryside and set up independent fiefdoms. So I think we could compare that to corporations outsourcing jobs and oligarchs hiding their money in foreign accounts. I mean, what's the difference from nowadays? So number three reason uh, History.com says for the fall is the rise of the Eastern Empire. The fate of the Western Roman Empire was partially sealed in the late third century when the emperor Diocletian, Diocletian? Okay. Uh, <laughs> divided the empire into two halves. The Western Empire seated in the city of Milan and the Eastern Empire in the Byzantine, later known as Constantinople. The division made the empire more easily governable in the short term, but over time, the two halves drifted apart. East and West failed to adequately work together to combat outside threats and the two often squabbled over resources and military aid. East and West, North and South. Sounds a little bit familiar to currently increasing gaps between the right and the left in the United States and other Western societies, including the UK, where that whole Brexit bullshit happened. The Western political structure would finally disintegrate in the fifth century, but the Eastern Empire endured in some form or another for thousands of years before being overwhelmed by the Ottoman Empire in the 1400s. So number four, overexpansion and military overspending. As more and more funds were funneled into the military to upkeep of the empire, technological advancement had slowed and Rome's civil infrastructure fell into despair. So we can just look at the absurd uh, increase in military spending in our government currently. I think, you know, in the past two months, it's insane amounts of billions us ignoring the infrastructure issues. And I mean, you know, we can just look at lead pipes, our highways. You can gauge, it's like Joseph Campbell said, you can gauge a society's values by what's the center of their city. You mm -hmm. know, is it the big bank? Is it the church? Is it this or that? And the fact that we can look around and you know, our roads are crumbling. Like I was on my way up to Minneapolis to pick Ruby, went into this pothole on the highway, knock on wood, my car's fine, but I could not believe how deep that was. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I started like looking around and it's like, it's, they're just crumbled. And 94 is always quote unquote under construction, mm -hmm. but what, what's actually happening? I could not believe, like, I thought I was going to have to pull over and look at my car. It was insane. 
So now let's go to the number five reason, history.com's list of reasons the Roman Empire fell. Government corruption and political instability. I mean, come on, I think it's pretty easy for us to see the connection here to current United States political instability and government corruption. And from history.com, oh, go ahead. I, I would say one thing that these corrupt governments did in ancient Rome is this, these new people, the Nuevo Populi, I think they were, new hip populist leaders. Mm-hmm. They tried to go back and forth and outdo each other with essentially social programming. As mm. One really great example of maybe we should give grain away for free. And then I literally cannot remember who this was, but then someone's like, absolutely not. We're going to give bread away for free. Uh, and then they went and did that. All of the beautiful fountains that you see in Rome are yeah. are so that people have access to water. You know, this is a huge city and with only so many places along the Po or the Tiber that you can get to. These were fountains were, were sources for drinking and bathing and mm-hmm. collecting water for people. I, I cannot imagine our leadership, our current leadership saying, we have no access to something. We need to give this away for free. We're not doing that with lead. Yeah. The idea that you would just, because you're hungry, because you're a person and you can walk up and get a loaf of bread, like, mm-hmm. I do not think we can actually do that, which is... Well, I mean, the insulin bill that the, the almost every Republican voted against for what reason yeah. to cap it at $30, which is still, $30 is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's sick. I never knew that about the, the grain that's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> A let's very... give them free grain. Ah, let's give them free bread. Yeah. So then... <laughs> I love it. Just the topping. Oh, you want grain? Oh, oh yeah. Bread. I'll fill this whole room with grain. And they're grain probably were tripping, tripping balls on that bread, they too, were. as we've learned. From got. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so everybody was high on lead or high on bread. Oh, I like that. Yeah, lead, high Either on high bread. on awesome. lead or high on bread. <laughs> That's how we're going to describe the Roman Empire, either high on lead or high on bread. So going back to that whole government corruption and political instability, quote, if Rome's sheer size made it difficult to govern, ineffective and inconsistent leadership only served to magnify the problem. The political rot also extended to the Roman Senate, which failed to temper the excesses of the emperors due to its own widespread corruption and incompetence. As the situation worsened, civic pride waned, and many Roman citizens lost trust in their leadership. I can see, me personally, how this is a parallel to today, where you just get weighed down by the corruption, incompetence, hypocrisy, to where you just, you don't have any trust left. All of these are scary to me, how they connect to present-day United States, but that one especially when, you know, you turn on the news and... Marjorie Taylor Greene and that Baybard or whatever the fuck her name is are just like spewing the most nonsensical bullshit out of their mouths. My brain just can't fathom how they're in that position and how they are remaining in that position. Uh, Just to put my nerd hat on, but also. Yes, please. Just say like, I do not remember enough about this, but I do know that the Senate was started with these really great intentions and the idea was Mm -hmm. like, the Senate means like, I think it means a, like old men. I think that's what that word means. Makes sense. Old men. And mm-hmm. uh, you had to be a certain age. You had to have a certain number of duties. 
they had to mm-hmm. fulfill a certain number of jobs before you mm-hmm. were invited into the Senate. But then as the complexity of the Republic grew, and then as the complexity of the Republic grew, and also the wealth, tax collectors, essentially like local mayors, and also mm-hmm. merchants became more and more powerful. And they actually had their own... Merchants, uh, lobbyists. <laughs> they actually had their own... I'm totally spacing on the name of it now. It's like the horse group, the equinists or something. And they had their own kind of like trade organization that influenced the Senate. And the Senate kept operating on these rules under like, I would argue, and I think that the Senate continued to pretend like it had power that it had for far too long and never really made space for the growing, changing influencers of like the merchant class and the administrator class and then like the land ownership, landowner class. And then all the promises they were making to both the mm-hmm. people in the army and then the people that they conquered. So like that really, that for me, that's one of the things that strikes me as a parallel with our current Senate is this, we're going to pretend that we are a gentle person's club, that we have mm-hmm. all of our, everyone's here with the best intentions and we're, it's okay to take our time to make sure we we choose yeah. the right, deci- we make the right decision. It's like, yeah. no, you're stalling until you, your person's in power. Like that's, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, it's, it's maddening. And like, you know, like we, I think we might've mentioned last time of, or maybe in one of our other side discussions about, you know, the fact that you can trade stocks. Oh yeah. I find that absolutely absurd. The, the, the whole concept of money being able to affect your decision-making for the people is absolutely unacceptable. You should not be like that. Just like that's a, the biggest one to get rid of is you should not have any monetary gain mm-hmm. because of an outside influence. It's just, it's, it's can't even speak about it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not even, it so should be much. not even, not even just impropriety. It should be the appearance of impropriety. And mm-hmm. if you're in a position where you can't recuse yourself, you're in a system that is broken. Like you need to be able to, to step away and share enough power with enough other people around you where that should be totally normal. Yeah, this like uh, short term need to grab more. It's just, I just, it's so much like the use of lead. I just can't mm-hmm. get away from that. Like, I know this is not the best thing to put in my glass, which I'm going to use as a goblet, but it yeah. does make the glass look so much clearer. I <laughs> look, this looks so much better right now. Uh, let's, let's do it. Let's go for it. Yeah. And going again, too, like it's inexpensive. And it's it has to be the biggest driving. And again, all of this corruption, all of this incompetence, all of these things we're going to be getting to because these are all behavioral effects of lead poisoning. We go to the people who are in power right now. They're the generations, including the super old boomers and the generation beneath them. All were exposed to high amounts of lead. You know, we want to focus on the paint chips, but, you know, leaded gas and wasn't banned until the 90s. And to say that there, those effects aren't being seen by the people who are making decisions. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Number six, the arrival of the Huns and the migration of the barbarian tribes affected the fall. 
Number seven, Christianity and the loss of traditional values. So I think there it's important to note because this is probably where a Fox News Tucker Carlson would be like, see, traditional values, we need to save them. (laughs) And then say they're a Christian, even though they go against everything that Christ believes in. But it's important to note that while the spread of Christianity may have played a small role into the curbing of Roman civic virtue, most scholars now argue that its influence paled in comparison to the military economic administrative factors, including the incompetence and corruption of the leaders. The focus here on that idea of people being so rigid in their beliefs and not allowing their consciousness to evolve, I think is the important part of that and not the actual belief in Christianity being the issue. Does that yeah, make I sense? Don't... That it's that idea of like, no, like, and you know, it's this, the same people who are like the constitution, even though the whole point of the constitution is for it to evolve. It's that same rigid thinking we're supposed to evolve. That's, I'm looking that's at, how we got here. I'm looking at the a book where I first heard this idea, Civilization by Roger Osborne. And okay. it's this idea of as the Roman empire was eroding and it's, it still had this infrastructure of culture and power mm-hmm. and Christian, they weren't called Catholic at the time, but we we yeah. don't think of it as Catholic, started to uh, kind of metastasize around those infrastructures. So they had all these nice roads, they had all of these mm-hmm. nice payment payways, like there were yeah. tax, uh, tax uh, collection schemes already thought up. So like those became parishes and there, were all, there was already a system of governance that they could just sort of move into. And the word basilica, of course, means basilica was just a Roman marketplace. And now it's a Roman Catholic cathedral. And then too, like going back to the whole idea of like, because like the belief thing, I just, Lindsey Graham popped in my head when he was doing his questioning during the Supreme Court justice hearings, how he was just banging on his desk about about religion and what her faith is. Total performance. Well, uh, yeah. And I mean, he's, I, Obama but, had a quote apparently about him being <gasps> a rat on a ship in his book. Apparently oh, really? in his book. Yeah, Obama writes in his book that he compares Lindsey Graham to a rat on a sinking ship and that he will go wherever he's not going to drown. And ever clearly. since I read that quote, I it's like, well, you really hit the nail on the head there, sir. Do you remember <laughs> when he was on The Daily Show playing pool with... Uh... Lindsey Graham? Yeah, with, uh, what's his, who's, who's the host of The Daily Show? Super right Bowl now, guy. Trevor Noah? Yeah, Trevor Noah. They were playing pool and drinking whiskey. Talking about. What? Yeah. I have to watch that. I love Trevor yeah, Noah. I'll send you the link. It's, um, he's just, talk, he's waxing on like, what are we going to do about this Trump guy? What are we going to do? This is crazy. They were oh, so it's, it's, with, it's old. <laughs> yeah. And then Dang. now he's, uh, Bob Well, he's, he's still, he's. Yeah, he still just goes back and forth, though. Like, it's, again, it's what Obama said of. He's going to go wherever he thinks Crazy. he's not going to drown. And I guarantee you, we can we can go find somebody in ancient Roman times who's Lindsey Graham. You know what oh. I mean? Like, there's, like, if totally. I had more time, I would have gone through and picked each senator in the last century of the Roman Empire before the fall and found everybody that you know what I mean like put them side to side in a picture and who knows maybe one day I'll have to obsessively do that because I think I, it would be great I think that'd be fantastic I we, we need to do this we'll definitely do that going back to there's there's some debate as to how much lead the Romans had in their systems 
From the American Chemical Society, in a 2019 study, archaeologists examined several skeletons from London during the Roman era for signs of exposure to toxic lead. The team sampled 30 thigh bones as well as 70 bones from the Iron Age as a control group. They found that the Iron Age skeletons contained just 0.3 to 2.9 micro, oh, I've been saying milligrams, micrograms, sorry, of lead per gram. And so again, going to, that's the average for us here in the States, is that like gauge. So in the Iron Age, that's about like where we supposedly are. Whereas ones from the Roman Empire had between 8 to 123 micrograms. Those are sufficiently high levels to cause widespread health effects, including hypertension, population decline, kidney disease, neurodamage, gout, and so forth. That control group, they think, you know, is a good example of how much lead people had in their bodies. It is important to note that the levels in the bone sample could also be increased due to the outside circumstances, such as the soil the bodies were sitting in what they were surrounded by at their burial. However, regardless of what was around them, the levels were elevated nonetheless. Like being in a coffin that was coated in lead, which the Romans often did, wouldn't have elevated it to this level because it has to be, there's certain ways that lead can get into your system and into your body. Like you can't, like for instance, like with water, you, you're not going to get it taking a shower Really? But, yeah. And we'll get to that in our next episode, which I thought was fascinating. I'm looking forward to that. I did not know that. So let's circle back to that strange behavior associated with lead poisoning that we discussed earlier. Again, as stated from the American Chemical Society, since 1943, scientists have known that lead can have adverse effects of neurological development in children, leading to behavioral problems and lowered intelligence. That's because it can easily replace calcium. And this I find fascinating. Yeah. Calcium is how neurons in the brain communicate. And if lead replaces it, there is either too little communication among neurons or too much. And then this is what causes the erratic mood swings, difficulty processing information. I find that absolutely fascinating too, when you think of the people who have calcium deficiency is such a big thing, right? Mm -hmm. And lead is replacing it. So with these people who get diagnosed with calcium deficiency, are they getting tested to see how much lead they have in their system? Because their body is replacing the calcium with right. lead. Right. Is it just a, an, is it a lack of calcium coming in? Yeah, absolutely. That's a or really is answer. it that they have too much lead in their body? Yep. That's pushing it out. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't it? Erratic mood swings, difficulty processing information. That mental instability, it, it all connects to the people who were in power and in control in Roman times and quite obviously now. Also, according to the National Institute of Health, U.S. studies have reported that lead exposure causes what psychologists call externalizing behavior problems, such as aggressiveness and bullying. And that's a big one that, you know, we see like those people on the alt-right, they're bullies. And there it's it's the the aggressiveness is just shocking. I mean, and we think about even like, you know, the rise of crime and like these instances where people just go out. I mean, there was just another shooting in Sacramento. And it's like the, this and let's not get started on ammunition because all ammunition is just lead. That's another that's another episode is um, ammunition and all that jazz. If, if, if we saw a five year old behaving the way people do in Congress. It's they, it'd be timeout time. It's time. No, you don't. Yes, talk that they way to should. People. They need a timeout. And, who's, and who who wants is, the who wants their child? I'm not a parent, but who would want their child to 
behave like Trump or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Matt Gaetz. Yeah. Who would who would want their child to behave that way? It's it's generational patterning. Mm -hmm. And going back to parenting, how much of the trauma you inflict is from the trauma inflicted on you. Absolutely. And it's 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 a it's a cycle. But yeah, like you said, the, the temper tantrums again because as I was saying with the connection to lead poisoning is your development gets stunted. So you do get stunted to the age where, cause you're the child's brain develops oh. from, you know, infancy to age six. Speaking of, <laughs> you want to say hi? No. Okay. From age zero to six and the, the temper tantrums that they do throw yeah. is similar to that age and where your brain is developmentally. So going back to that American Chemical Society quote about the, since 1943, the scientists have known that lead can have adverse effects on neurological development in children. Children with higher blood levels had internalizing problems also, such as anxiety and depression, as well as some externalizing problems. Though not addressed in this study, the person who conducted this study said that these differences could also be explained by cultural, genetic, environmental variations or research gaps. And again, like that, like I said, what I was going to circle back to about nature versus nurture. Yes, those can be factors, but it's it's not saying that lead wouldn't have had any effect. It, it just increased, you know what I mean, those circumstances. And so the whole us versus them take on the impact of nature and nurture is extremely outdated. And I think that's something that we need to address is that polarizing that, you know, we're seeing everywhere and we always do. It's a combination. And again, too, like I mentioned that person A and person B can be exposed to the same amount of lead, but person A has higher lead levels than person B. Same thing can be said for the person who's in the same low income housing, person A and person B exposed to the same amount of lead, but person A is absorbing more. And so therefore the effects are seen greater. So yeah, so that's something that I think is what they probably try to find as a loophole when it comes to actually holding lead accountable for its effects on people. So it's also important to note that the collapse of the Roman Empire didn't happen overnight. I think while like we were discussing this, people probably are seeing this as like something that happened over a few years. I mean, it was hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not just that it just happened. And the ripple effect of lead poisoning also doesn't happen overnight. And so that's what I think the big point we want to get to is the ripple effect of lead poisoning. Not just that you have these behavioral effects, these physical effects, but what that then affects. The cognitive and behavioral effects first affect the person poisoned with lead, and then that leads to affecting society with crime and decline in health and education. Going to that, I want to point at the Loyola mm -hmm. University of Chicago. Okay. And they have a great article, which we're going to link on social media and everywhere, about the ripple effects of childhood lead poisoning. In childhood lead poisoning, you see learning disabilities, hyperactivity, speech disorders, childhood delinquency, reduced intelligence, lower IQ scores, behavioral disorders, and health problems. And then this leads to crime in adulthood, socialization problems, a criminal record, lifelong health problems, lack of employment, learning difficulties, academic failure. And then that leads to the costs in society, which affect our health care, our education, our juvenile justice, and not just juvenile justice, but the justice system in general. Also, the lack of employment. Some people just aren't able to 
the whole like nine to five, if you, if your brain wasn't unfortunately developed in a healthy environment, you, you're not going to be able to work that kind of job or be able to socialize even in a work environment. They have a great list of, again, going through all the childhood problems. So childhood lead poisoning, again, health problems, learning disabilities, hyperactivity, speech disorders, childhood delinquency, reduced intelligence, lower IQ scores, and again, how that connects to crime and adulthood, which will be a big topic for us. We're going to get into the whole link from crime and lead poisoning, especially some of the really horrific cases. We would be so much better if we just took care of this, like it by and by taking care of it, we would end up getting so many more. Like, so I'm going to take care of my, my diabetes. Mm -hmm. So I exercise that helps my heart. I'm going to take care of my <laughs> diabetes. So I'm not eating so much sugar that helps mm -hmm. my, my brain function. Uh, I Which then goes to productivity. All of this stuff, it all snowballs. And what would, what would the world look like if we had an appropriate relationship to lead? We would have, mm -hmm. would we have cleaner waters? Would we have better healthcare system that we would need to have in order to continually have access to lead testing? Would we have better education that also our approach to education where, oh, is someone having an, an external conflict with patients or taking in this information? Is there something going on, not just with their attention, but with their body that's keeping them from, I don't know, just a thought, just a well, that's the thing, though, is we do all have lead in our system. I mm -hmm. guarantee if you go get tested, you're not going to have zero lead in your system. Do you know what I mean? So it's like we, we do actually all have this. And that's yeah. that's the point is nothing's being done about it with them knowing full well that they have an acceptable amount of lead, yeah. knowing that there is effects to that regardless of how much lead you ingest. Going back to the crime in adulthood, lead poisoning in childhood has been connected to more arrests and violent offenses as adults. Behavioral disorders we've gotten to. And so going back to what happens, what happens to that too in adulthood is academic failure. Research shows that it decreases math and reading scores, uh, learning difficulties. It affects the ability of the brain and nervous system to work together to connect thinking and behavior. So again, you know, we look at these people like, oh, they have this ADHD or they have, and it's like, you're not looking at the cause and what, how do we reverse, you know, and why they focus so much on children age one to six. It's because your brain's developing everything past that can be reversible in a sense, but pretty much like if, if it happens within that range, it's kind of hardwired. Therapy can, can do things, but there's still these neurological hardwirings that happen in, in nervous system hardwirings that you can't really reverse at that age. So the lack of employment for each IQ point lost, a child makes an estimated $16,809 less over the course of his or her lifetime. And so even though that's over your lifetime, and that's just one IQ point, again, going back to the lifelong health problems, you can have, since it causes severe damage to the central nervous system, kidneys, reproductive system, you know, that's something to that link of infertility, all these people who are, you know, struggling to, to have children. I mean, are they getting tested for lead? I know people who have gotten the fertility shots and this and that, you know, have they been tested for lead? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not saying that they're going to, but like, is that should be a, if you're, if you have infertility issues, that should be a standard if, if lead causes it. 
when you go to the doctor and you're struggling to get pregnant or um, struggling to get somebody pregnant, that should be just a standard test then, if that's one of the causes. And then again, criminal record linked to lead poisoning, the estimated total direct cost of violent crimes linked to early childhood lead poisoning is nearly $1.8 billion, which is sick and astonishing. Like, And we're going to get to the prison system too, because, and lead, lead in the water in our infrastructure, prisons, schools, and all that. And then socialization problems. Lead poisoning affects the parts of the brain that control your mood, planning, and decision-making. Irrational decision-making. I mean, think about that. Yeah. And like I said, you know, being able to have a job where you need to interact with human beings or you can't process difficulties and it's not you, it's the way you're, you're wired. And it's just really unfortunate that we don't, we don't look at this in the right lens. Preventing childhood cost to society. So again, we're talking about the ripple effect and it's the same thing going back to Roman times. Like this, it's, it's all a ripple effect. It trickles down in a sense, but the healthcare system preventing lead childhood lead poisoning in the U S could save $44 million per year in healthcare costs, which I honestly think that seems like a small number. That's what I mean. I think that that might only be those instances where it's so severe and high that it's causing these out of this world side effects. Right. And then those are the the out of this world side effects are the ones that people notice. And that's what ends up on the balance sheet. So it's like, yes. Uh, because yeah, as that's we, what you we, just said. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but like I was going to say, we've mentioned that you can more. have high levels of lead and yes. not have any known effects. So if you had 20 years of 30 micrograms yeah. of lead in your body, 20 years of that, you that means you have 20 years of 15 micrograms below like a tr- the treatable level. The treatable, quote unquote, treatable. Twenty-five micrograms above an acceptable level. Yeah, and and also too, it's a snowball effect. Like it, absolutely. You know, the more you're exposed to it, like the levels keep increasing. And then the two, you know, like we said, joblessness, special education. The also to the violent crimes linked to early lead poisoning is nearly one point eight, or the direct costs of violent crimes linked to lead poisoning is one point eight billion. We we were just saying. It's not possible for us to know because we Mm -hmm. don't know how many people actually have elevated lead levels. Mm -hmm. That's something where, and talking about some social change, there's a checklist of of the side effects of lead. If somebody committed a crime, irrational mood swing, you know, like if they, if they have these checklists or even people who are having learning difficulties, or like I said, people who are struggling with infertility issues. We should just be testing for it. We should be having everybody in the U.S. We should have everybody's lead levels. So again, as Dr. Herbert Needleman points out in his paper, History of Lead Poisoning in the World, lead is one of the best studied toxic substances. And as a result, we know more about the adverse health effects of lead than virtually any other chemical. And yet we as a global society still find it in our everyday lives. But I truly believe the more of us who educate ourselves on the importance of eliminating lead from our lives, the more likely we are to see change. That's where we just need people to share, like, comment, spread the word. And like I mentioned last week, this isn't about creating mass hysteria. It's just getting to a problem that has literally been with us since the beginning of industrial civilized society. And, you know, history repeats itself till the lesson is learned. Like, we didn't learn from the fall of the Roman Empire. 
And we are unfortunately at a very scary place of seeing that same collapse where we're sitting right now. Yeah, I think we the lesson that was learned would have been something like the big power structures are eroded, mm -hmm. less dominant structures become the mainstream, mm -hmm. they take over and try to recreate the power structures that existed before. I mean, so mm -hmm. the government's going to fall and we have these white nationalist right wing nut jobs who move into, I don't know. It's uh, it's all very frightening. It's frightening. But then, too, I want to believe that, like, you know, there was the East and the West mm -hmm. and one of them did prevail and prevailed for a very long time. So my idealistic taking on that is if there is a collapse and there is a fall, the I don't <laughs> I don't want to use the word right, <laughs> the logical side of thinking side. It's the right side. Well, the prevail. Correct side. The correct yeah. side, not the, the right side. Yeah. Yeah, the correct side <laughs> will, will prevail for thousands of years. So yeah, so thanks to everybody for listening to United States of Lead. Thank you so much. Tune in next week as we tackle the issue of lead in tap water. Want to learn more about this topic? Consider making a donation on Patreon to unlock some bonus content, including deep dives and exclusive interviews. Thank you for tuning in to United States of Lead, hosted by Andrea Elizabeth and Paul Kramer. Want to know more about this subject? Consider making a donation on Patreon, where you can unlock extended video episodes and bonus content like deep dives and exclusive interviews. Just a quick disclaimer, Andrea and Paul are not experts in lead poisoning. We do ask that you check our sources and read up a little bit more on your own. Thanks again for listening.